Welcome to the Boundless Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 30. My name is Jacques, and with me, for the first time ever, is the creator of our logo, the wife of Indy, and Garrus Vicarian's side piece. That's right, it's Ashley. Everybody, welcome Ashley to the show. Hi! Thank you guys, I appreciate it. And this is my, like, a first official, but... I I had a little mini segment in one other episode. Yeah, you're right about that. I I forgot, even though we literally just talked about it before the podcast. So, uh, yeah, but so I'm going to get to the social media real quick so we can get that out of the way and then we can move on. So, wow, brain fart. We are on Facebook. We're on the Twitters and the Instagram. I don't know what else you're on. Well, obviously Spotify. Yeah, so like she said, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Boundless Gamers, the usual shtick. We'd appreciate if you guys would throw us a follow and maybe comment or like on some stuff. Definitely comment. We love talking to you guys. We do. We do. Although it almost never happens. You know, you and Indy actually were the ones commenting the most when we first started this and that led to Indy actually becoming like a host on here, and now you're on here, so you never know, people. You like comment, you could become a host eventually on here. It could happen. Yeah, that or end up on uh, our Xbox game nights. Yeah, we've been playing the shit out of Halo, which we will probably talk about in a little bit. But for now, we are going to just kind of get to know Ash for a little bit. Whatever she's comfortable talking about, just so you guys uh, can get to know her a little bit, and she's not so much of a stranger. So, Ash, uh, as we all know, you created our logo. I did. By by trade, you are a graphic artist, correct? That's one of my many titles. Yeah, graphic artist, illustrator, and I also do uh, 3D modeling. I actually went to college for video game art and design. I have to be careful with saying that because I'm, people think I'm, what do they say? Gay art and design? Gay? So I have to enunciate, no, gay art and design. So I have to enunciate video game art and design. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> you see what, see what I mean? So I have to say it carefully. Well, I mean, do you ever do gay art though? Never. Like, no no Commander Shepard and Garrus, like, gay art happening there? Well, my Commander Shepard was a lady. So was mine. Okay. Well, you could do uh, Femshep and, like, I don't know, Liara. I'm sure Mike would like that. I don't like the Asari. What? Okay, we're gonna... I don't... We're gonna have to edit that out. No, you gotta leave it in. I like one is sorry. Um, um, Samara? Oh, yeah, yeah. Samara. She was the, uh, the sorry Justicar. That's right. Yeah. She is a bamf. I love her. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. She had some major cleavage going on, too, which I enjoyed. Yeah, she did. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself? Well, 
Garrus, like you said, is one of my favorite video game characters from Mass Effect trilogy. I also have a artist handle. I don't really go by Ashley online. Um, it's Misinfected. So if you ever see Misinfected floating around on the Boundless Gamers, that's me. I also have two dogs. So if you randomly hear me saying Kylo or Tyrion, those are my babies. Which one is always farting in the room when Indy's recording? That's Kylo, which is really surprising because he doesn't fart around me. It's probably because he's constantly working. But Tyrion, the pug, um, that's my child. He's the one that will just fart while barking. <laughs> it's just little tiny little pew, pew. <laughs> Sometimes he'll let out a nasty one, but... I think it was last week when me and Indy were recording. It was Tyrion, right? No, that was Kylo. It was Kylo. Okay. Oh, it's Kylo because I was in the living room and I heard Indy open the door and like mustard gas cough. Like, oh my God, Kylo, you ass. Yep. Right in the middle of the recording, he just hotboxed Indy. <laughs> yeah. Right now, I'm alone. I don't have dogs with me. Indy's taking care of him down in the living room. He's playing Halo right now. So, normally, Tyrion, the pug, is attached to my hip always. But yeah, it's a little bit about me. Well, cool. Uh, and yeah, the audience has probably seen me uh, promote your work on Boundless Gamers and my personal account because it's awesome. You guys should go check out all her art at Misinfected. Maybe check out her Etsy store and buy some stuff for her. That'd be awesome. You have to wait till the new year. I have it closed for the holiday so I don't bum rush the rest of USPS anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it'll be open during the new year. And uh, mm -hmm. do you have like any new stuff coming? Because I know recently you made some cool ass ornaments like a skeleton reindeer. Oh, yeah. And I have the uh, I call them the dead gingers. They're dead gingerbread men. Um, <laughs> I made magnet versions of that and ornaments. And then I just released a sticker um, that says take your damn meds. And it's on uh, see through sticker paper. And all my stickers last three to five years weatherproof. So the really top-notch quality. I don't personally, I make the art and then I send it off to manufacturers and I get it sent back. Sometimes it takes a while for my art to get released, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and so I'm probably going to... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I can attest that your your shit is high quality. And I think Mike has bought some stuff from you too as well, and he enjoyed it. Yeah, he bought one of my uh, pugs of Tyrion as a shark. That was one of my very first stickers I ever made. Yeah, yeah, that that's that was so hilarious. His eyes are all bulging out. <laughs> it looks just like him. So now that we uh, got to know you a little bit, I think we could probably move on to what we're playing, uh, since this is technically a games podcast. And if anybody has any questions for me, you can always ask uh, in the comments, uh, Facebook, whichever, and I'll try to catch it too. Yeah, you can. It could either be on our Boundless Gamers because she uh, she is around there a lot, or it could be on her Misinfected accounts. So either or would work. But 
for now, we're going to move on to what we're playing. So, Ash, would you like to start us out? What are you playing? Previously, I told you I was playing two of them. I'll start off the one that um, I started playing. I think I got it off at Game Pass because I, I played the Xbox. Um, it's The Long Dark. Now, that's a survival... It's just a survival game, right? Yeah. And let me tell you, when it throws your ass into it, it throws your ass into it and you die within the first, like, five minutes after pretty much the story starts laying out. It is fantastic, but I have started breaking off of it because when things get too repetitive, I tend to lose interest pretty quickly. Yeah, me too. And then when the Game Awards came out, a game called A Plague Tale popped up and I lost my shit. What is it? I think it's called A Plague Tale Requiem is the second game. So now, uh, as of yesterday, I played I don't know how many hours of A Plague Tale Innocence. And I am like a crack cocaine addict right now, wanting to get back on it because it's so good. Yeah, because me and Mike were like trying to get you to play that for a while. And you finally jumped on it. And then you message us and you're like, how could you not tell me that the dog dies in the beginning? (laughs) Spoiler alert, sorry. But it happens in like the first like, what, 15 minutes. It's not a big spoiler. It's actually good because there's a lot of people out there that get really uncomfortable with animal death, so it is kind of a good warning. But I was awfully surprised because the beginning of A Plague Tale is actually quite beautiful. It kind of looks a little bit to Skyrim, but in the fall. So if you remember, I think it was River Run and White Run, those two places, it starts out looking like that. And then chaos ensues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it certainly does. I mean, I would say it looks... It's like Skyrim, but it's it's not like... I mean, the fidelity is like way higher because this game just looks graphically impressive for... Especially for such a small studio. It's... um, I, I can't... I don't know where they're from. It might be Poland, but it's... uh, Their studio's Asobo. I didn't even know they were small. You can't tell they're a small studio. Yeah, it's insane what they're able to do. So, like, how far into the game are you, would you say? So, I started it yesterday. I don't even know when I texted y'all. I think it was midday. Because I have a bad tendency that if I get warm and comfortable, I will conk out. I just absolutely fall asleep. So, I pretty much loaded it and kept falling asleep. And I was like, all right, you know what? I want to play this because I saw the trailer for the second game. I didn't go to bed till 5 a.m. last night. I made it all the way to episode 8 or chapter 8. Oh, if you can't tell, like, literally it is the the bubonic plague is what's happening in, in this story. But there's more to it than just you're wading through the plague. And I don't really want to give it away, but it's pretty much based off your family and your little brother that you're having to protect. And it's it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, There was a scene that jarred me pretty intensely because it reminded me of one of my favorite games, uh, 
back in high school, I played, oh, what was it? Dante's Inferno. Oh, yeah, I remember that game. I never played it, but yeah. It's incredible. If you like God of War games and you like history, anything with the, the nine circles of hell or whatever, that game is incredible based off of just the lore and history. And then the graphics and the battle mechanics are insane. There's, I think it's when the first circle of circle of hell, where you are in pretty much limbo, but you have to make your way down to get to Satan slash Lucifer, whichever you want to call him. But I remember vividly being super grossed out because you were walking on all the souls and their bodies. They make up the walls and the floor. So does that kind of remind you of the rats in A Plague Tale? There is a scene, there is a chapter, where you stumble across a massive battlefield with thousands of dead bodies, and there's no place to not step, and you have to step on these bodies. And your little brother, who's probably like five years old, if even that, He's asks you, he's like, are we hurting them, sister? Because you have to step on them. The AI that, like, the fact that they interact with you and the environment is insane. I- I'm just, I'm just completely floored. And I would also suggest if you do play this game, stray off the beaten path. If you can, if there's rats around, good fucking luck. But if you can go off the beaten path, there are little secrets that pop up that even enhance the story a little bit more. Or you're like, oh shit, I need to stay on the road. But that scene right there, the fact you're walking on dead bodies, is insane. Yeah, I know exactly which scene you're talking about. Yeah. Even though this is a linear game, I would say, I still think it begs to be explored a little bit because just the environments are so gorgeous and like you've said, there are secrets to be found. Do you see now like why I compared it to The Last of Us a little bit? Yes. And I didn't play Last of Us. I'm actually a backseat driver um, for horror games specifically. I can watch horror movies all day long, every good gone day, whatever. But there's something about video games that I have a really hard time playing them. And I think it's because I will be in the driver's seat if I'm playing a game. And that means everything that's happening is under my control and I cannot handle it. I pussy out. We will save some of that for later because our topic has to do with horror. So (laughs) save some of that. Saving, saving. I got stories. Okay, cool. I look forward to hearing them. So any last like final words on Plague Tale? Uh, not really. Like I said, I am looking forward to getting back on it. Um, I didn't really brush on the long dark very much. Um, so the long dark, I'll I'll brush a little bit on. The story is actually quite interesting. It almost touches on a another like supernatural. There's something supernatural happening. Where does it take place? I want to say it's Alaska, but it might be. Somewhere else. It's, I think it's called Great Bear Island or Great Bear Mountains is where it takes place. That's what they call it. But it looks like something that would pretty much be in Alaska because 
the Aurora Borealis shows up. And that's all the colors of the night sky. But compared to Alaska, there is full-on day and night cycles. Where Alaska in the winter, I think they have 90 or 60 days of night. Isn't it 30 days of night, like the movie? Is it 30 days? I couldn't remember. I mean, I, I've been just going based off the movie. I don't know if it's actually factual. I think it is. But going into it, my my brother-in-law actually lives with us, and he walked upstairs, and he saw me playing it for days, and he's like, are you just trying to survive? I'm like, oh no, there's a story to this. He's like, yeah, I bought it, but back when I bought it, it was just a survival game. And I'm like, oh. Oh no, there's a freaking story, dude. And even Indy was kind of curious about it, and I started telling him about the story. I don't want to give it away, because if you play it, just play it. Because you unlock this juicy story as you go along. When you just think you're out there trying to save your ex-wife. You and her are taking a case. I feel like it's medicine that she's taking. She's also a doctor. But you take this biplane and it wrecks. For some reason, there's like this electrical surge with the Aurora Borealis that fries the plane and fries all of electricity and including vehicles everything so all you got is you and nature and a blizzard constantly and wolves isn't the uh the lead character you play as native american Nuh-uh, i don't think so okay maybe i'm thinking of something else the only native american game i've thought of is uh Assassin's Creed. Oh, wasn't that uh, 3? I don't remember. It was uh, Assassin's Creed 3, I think. Wasn't it the... uh, Was it the American Revolutionary War? No. Am I wrong in that? I never played it. Mike's probably screaming like, Ah, it's it's this, because he he loves Assassin's Creed. Sorry, I only started playing them with uh, Odyssey, which I know you're, you're actually been playing recently too, right? I played that really hard because I had a major art test. India is definitely getting uh, achievement points coming in through the computer right now. A lot. <laughs> that game is so ridiculously large. I, I beat it, but it took me like weeks. I don't even know. You beat Odyssey? Oh, yeah, I beat it. Yep. I don't, oh, dude, I don't know how you did it. I don't either. <laughs> I had to stop because I was like, this is getting super repetitive. Granted, when you first play it, again, it draws you in really hard. But then, I don't know, it's just the constant side quests that you have to do. I'm just like, god dang, y'all just help yourselves. Because I feel like I couldn't really get anywhere with the main story unless I did all these side quests. It reminded me of The Witcher. I think that's the only reason I was able to stay with it, because I beat The Witcher 3, which is like one of my favorite games of all time. It's very much, you can tell they took inspiration from The Witcher 3. I put like 200 hours into The Witcher, so I was like, I was down for this game, but... I could see that. You are correct, though. Like, all the side quests just gets to be so overwhelming. Skyrim does the same thing if you're just walking through a town people are yelling at you. No, maybe it's not Skyrim. 
I think I'm thinking Fallout. There's one of them. The same thing. You're just walking through a town and people are like, help me, help me, help me. I'm like, no. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just trying to finish the main quest. Leave me alone. I'm just trying to get there. It really is, though. Like, you get to a point where you're, you know, it, you could go a week without doing a, a main quest mission. You know, it's just all side quests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing I really thought was cool about that game is the 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 wide open sea, all the, the ship battles. and Yes. If you just watch, if you're standing on the shore, just watch. You can see either sharks, dolphins... And there's a massive whale. You can actually hear the whales singing to each other. That's I love that detail. I also love the sea shanties that the crew sings. Yes, I ended up getting a full female because I got tired of the men singing and I switched it to female. I'm like, oh, it almost sounds like I'm on a ship full of sirens. It was really, really cool. Or like Amazons. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was It was really cool. I think I did the same thing because there was a certain like um, costume set you could buy where it was like all females. Yeah, and then I dressed uh, my Cassandra up as like Wonder Woman. Oh, really? Yeah. I run around on the Dionysus um, horned bull. Oh, nice. And there's something really cool about riding around on this massive bull wearing a bunch of flowers. Oh, fuck yeah. It's super cool. And then you get, I also have a, a black unicorn, a white unicorn, and then a couple of just the normal horses. But I keep going back to the bull because I'm like, who is going to get in my way? I'm riding a bull. Yeah, for sure. I think I also had that black unicorn. Didn't it have like magenta like wings or something? Yes. Yeah. I think it was actually a Pegasus is what it was. Yeah, I couldn't handle the purple and pink sparkly dews coming off it. I'm like, oh, this is not badass. This is not badass. I had like a, um, I tamed like a giant alpha bear too that I had roaming around with me. And I would literally just sit outside camps and send in the bear to just fuck everybody up. That is badass. I never unlocked that, but I kept eyeballing it because I kept running into lions and tigers a lot. And I was like, oh, that might be really cool, but I was really heavily working on my bow. Okay, so you were more like a ranged hunter type. Yeah, can't help it. I love it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But And you want to talk about a gorgeous-ass game. Oh, my God. Let me ask one thing, because I did this as soon as it was possible, because you can do it on the very first island. You know the giant statue of Zeus? Did you climb it and hang off of his penis? I didn't know you could do that. Now I'm upset. I'm upset. Yeah, it's a tiny-ass, uncircumcised penis you can (laughs) hang off of. I am so bummed. Now I'm going to have to load it back up and go straight there. Yeah, and take a picture, too, while you're at it. I already sent y'all the pig balls from uh, A Plague's Tale the other night. Or, excuse me, yesterday. Those pigs' balls were massive. The pigs are massive. And then it turned around. It's like, dang, you got some nuts, boy. (laughs) You got some nuts, boy? 
Yeah, and then Mike's over there, hey, you get an achievement if you slap its ass. And I'm like, I can't do anything with this pig. You're a liar. Yeah, Mike, he's just fucking with you. But you can get an achievement for um, cutting up the pig and frying it. And it's like it's called egg wakey wakey eggs and bakey. It's a uh, fifty point achievement. I haven't gotten there. I, I'm complete. I'm completely fucking with you. <laughs> That's not true at all. <laughs> you ass, ass. I was like, I haven't been able to do anything with the pigs. No, they're just pigs. They just they don't do anything. Actually, they do. They protect you from the rats. So you were wrong. Oh, do they? I don't remember that. Do they protect you by just getting eaten? Yeah, you don't remember? All right, well, there's another spoiler. There's a farm that has mounds of pig bodies everywhere at the very beginning. You remember what I'm talking about? I, I yeah, I kind of, yeah, I do actually now. That's, um, yeah, a plague tale is very uh how do i say uh visceral <laughs> it's very gory at times it's not just gory it's grotesque. but it's yeah exactly grotesque is the perfect word yep like there's so many rats it is just unbelievable it just kind of makes your skin crawl and if you watch like the animation's crazy on those things too because if they don't notice you they're just in a frenzy but the second you get in a certain proximity range of the rats they all immediately lock on eyes with you and then start freaking out again and they like all have red eyes too yes it almost looks it's actually when you're looking at the rats from a far distance it looks like glitter in the dark and you get up close and you realize it's all of these almost black and red blood looking rats it's wild and how fast, how fast they destroy something living is insane. Yeah, that whole rat mechanic was so cool and so unique. I had never seen anything quite like that in the game. This game, there's definitely more to this game than what we're talking about. I mean, you probably haven't even gotten to the full gist of it yet. There's definitely some more going on than than what appears on the surface. So it's it's a really cool game. I... Highly recommend everyone go play Plague Tale Innocence before Requiem comes out next year. And it's on Xbox Game Pass. So, you know, it's a free, no extra charge if you have Game Pass. Absolutely. It's definitely worth a try. Just give it a try. If not for the historical aspect of it, but also just the artistry of it. It's it's crazy. Um. So... I've been playing, um, unless, unless you wanted to talk more about Odyssey, <laughs> I can move on to oh, what no, I've been I'm playing. Good. Okay. I'm good. Okay. We kind of just like, just went through all like three games, just back and forth. <laughs> like, I've, I've been going pretty hard on these three games though. And with this being my first time being on the podcast like this, like I've been kind of like itching. I'm like, Indy, tell them what I've been playing. Tell them what I've been playing. He's like, <laughs> it's not your turn. Well, now it is. Now it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have been playing this little game called uh, The Last Campfire. Have you ever heard of it? I've never heard of it. Why does that sound like it would be a double fine game? Um, It's not, but 
I don't know if it would feel like a double fine game, but it's it's definitely like an indie title, very small. It's only a few hours long. It's actually made by uh uh what's their name? Hello Games, who did No Man's Sky. You shitting me. Yeah, did you ever play No Man's Sky? I did, because of Indy. Okay. He, like, begged me. He's like, this game's going to be amazing. And then I got on it. I'm like, oh, look at all the animals in space. <laughs> Pretty much. That, that For me, that was one of those games where I, I bought it, like, day one, because I was I sold on one thing, and it kind of didn't quite live up to that until after all the updates. But I just never went back. Because I was like, oh, this is real cool at first, but then it's sort of like the long dark where it just kind of gets repetitive after a while. Even even though you like it, it's still just like, okay, we're we're surviving. We out here surviving. Have you played it with the new, the, the latest updates? No, that's the thing. I, I haven't at all. And I probably would enjoy it a little more. It's really cool now. They actually have a full... So I don't remember if the first time... It had the building mechanics, but now it has building mechanics, so you can build your own base wherever you want. And the story is actually quite advanced. It actually, there was so much going on, I was like, God, I can't, I just, I just want to build my base and check out this stuff, because the story was just all over the place. It sounds cool, but like, it's one of those things where there's so many games coming out, and I have such a huge backlog, I'm just like, I'm never going to go back to No Man's Sky. I feel you. I feel you. But you were talking about what's what's this new game you you were playing? The Last Campfire. <laughs> Man, these episodes with me, you, and Indy are just going to be ADD nightmares. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, The Last Campfire. Yes. Yeah, so it's like a small game. Like I said, it, Hello Games. It, it but it was like a small splinter group of Hello Games that broke off and made this little tiny game. And it's it's basically like a little third-person adventure game. You play as this character called Ember, and you kind of just go around and you're, like, helping people, like, who have... Or all these people around the island. It's sort of like exploration slash puzzle game. Is it always at night? No, no. It can be... It's, I don't know if it has a night and day cycle. I think it's just whatever the story calls for. But, um... Yeah, you're going around, pretty much everybody is depressed and has like lost their way, and you kind of have to guide them back to finding their way and all that shit. So it's it's kind of like depressing in a way, but it's also uplifting because you're, you know, you're trying to help people. Um, Yeah, and then the, the main mechanic, though, is pretty much like puzzles. Like you, um, and they, I would say you'd have to have good spatial awareness for these puzzles. Nice. You're like looking around and you have to like kind of just see things in a certain way and move objects and they they start out pretty simple, but there were some puzzles where I'm not going to lie, I had to look up on YouTube cuz I was like I I was spent like an hour on some and I'm just like I have freaking no idea what to do, so I want to get past this. I've been there before. <laughs> yeah, I usually don't try to do that stuff unless I'm just like all out of ideas. Yeah, same. Because there's, there's like, once you get to a certain point, and I was like this with The Witness, where like, you're just staring at a puzzle for so long that you just kind of zone out, you zone out, and you just, 
you're just brain dead. And then the witness just like similar to the mist. Uh yeah, kinda, kinda. But yeah, it's like I played that. Yeah, the witness is really fun. It, it's very um very serene. It's like a very solitary game. It's you're on this island and you're that beautiful, beautiful game. But man, the puzzles get so difficult. Yes. And there's even like some minor eeriness to it because there is like this slight story that you have to kind of uncover too, especially when you get towards the end. You're like, what is going on here? Yeah, it gets weird. That's a that's a beautiful game too. So if you just want to vibe, play in the springtime. Yeah, definitely. I would say that's The Witness is a good podcast game. Um, but yeah, The Last Campfire, not really much more to say about it. I would just say, like, try it if you, uh, I, I bought it, like, a while back for, like, real cheap, because it had been on my radar for a while. You know, ju- it's just a little small indie game to, in-between games, you know? What would you compare the graphics to? I don't want to say it's like Zelda, but it's, it's very much like that, you know what I mean? That kind of, like, cartoonish, exaggerated graphics with little cute sprites like that kind of stuff oh okay okay yep i just pulled it up kind of gives me hmm yeah how would you describe it as a graphic artist you tell me that's a damn good question there's another game that i don't know if i can remember um the name of it but you're always heading to a mountain and you're wearing a red cloak oh journey Journey. It reminds me of Journey a little bit. Kind of. Like the character kind of, yeah, reminds me of that character, yeah. Yeah, with like with very soft tones to the graphics. So I was curious about, with the name, I was just kind of basing like, what would what a game look like called The Last Camper? That's why I kind of imagined like, oh, is the game always at night? Yeah, because it's like there's these uh, spirit guides that you encounter and they, they like, help you, f- like, find... You have to, like, deliver all these... Like, help all these other characters that look the same as you. Mm. And you have to, like, bring them back to this, like, hub area with this spirit guide. I, I'm not finished with it. Like, I'm almost finished, so I'm not sure how it ends. But, I mean, it's fun. I'm digging it. It reminds me of another game, but I just can't remember the name of it. Um, But you're pretty much taking the soul's... Of people that have passed, well, they're creatures that have passed and taking them across so they can pass over. You know, I'm kind, yeah, I kind of got that vibe too from this because it does seem like that might be happening because you the game starts out where you're like going down a river in a boat with the crew and you get separated. And like, I'm thinking this might be kind of like the limbo or afterlife or something like that. And it surprised me because it's nothing at all like No Man's Sky, like not even remotely. Yeah, it doesn't even look like it. That's crazy. Like you'd have no idea Hello Games made this unless I told you. But yeah, that's that's really like all I've been playing. Uh, I, I've been meaning to get to um, Halo Infinite's campaign, but I just haven't sat down yet to play it. You still have it? <laughs> Because I'm looking for the right time. Like, I've been so busy and, like, I want to, you know, really sit down and get into it. That's the one thing that's driving me crazy is I want to play Halo co-op, the storyline, because it reminds me of Halo 1 and 2, which is 
what I grew up with. After one and two, I fell off. Oh, you never played Halo 3? I touched it, and then I just fell off from it. So me and Andy were going to go back through, because um, he recently let me play Reach, and I loved it. Rest in peace, George. I love I love George. Reach is so awesome, man. I think Reach is underrated. It might be my favorite Halo campaign. I hadn't heard much about it, and then, because um, I've been with Indy for like seven years, and he's got this massive statue from Halo Reach, and this guy, one, two, three, four, is it four or five of the crew, and I never played it, and then I finally played it this year. It was fantastic. But, you know, speaking of Halo, we've been playing a lot of Halo Infinite multiplayer. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I, as I've dubbed you the Scorpion Queen, because you—that is your preferred method of murder, and you're very good at it. Uh, get me in any kind of vehicle, and I'm the happiest little doo-doo out there. But yes, once I hear of a scorpion's coming out, move out of the way. Well, except when you drive us off a cliff in a warhog. <laughs> hey, hey, the warhogs changed. They're not the same anymore. It's true. It's very hard to control. I've been complaining like crazy about the Warhog in this game because I think it's just like totally ass backwards how it controls. Because I think that normally when you drive, it should stick to the road because it's like a heavy vehicle. It's got off-road tires. You know what it drives like? I don't know if you've ever driven a vehicle that doesn't have power steering. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like, but yeah. there's not much drift. I mean, there's still the drift, like you fishtail. Sorry, my dad is a master mechanic too, so I grew up with cars. But with the original Warhogs, you could drift and slide. Because I I overheard you talking about this the other night. I was like, yeah, there's not that slide that you're you're missing now. Now it's like, oh my god, I have to drive this thing like a damn bus. Yeah, because my problem is it it slides by default. That's not the right... It should slide when you hit the e-brake. Yes, it's straight. You're looking for that drift. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, because that's how I drive. I'm constantly... like I like to drift around corners and stuff. But in this, when I hit the e-brake, it just comes to a dead stop. And I hate it. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're getting big trouble because people can just jump your ass. Yeah, definitely. Like, they'll just snipe you right out of it. If you get hit by the skewer, you're donezo. But, yeah, no, we, we've been having a shit ton of fun, though. There was this one match. I can't remember the name of the map, but it was, like, it was me, you, Indy, and Mike versus, like, four randoms. And it was, was it Fiesta? It might have been Fiesta. Because we would just get, like, random vehicles would spawn. And it just so happens that we got a scorpion, which Ash was manning it. I was in like the gunner seat for her. Mike had a wasp and he was floating above us. And Indy was just running around like fucking murking people. And we literally went like 50 and six, I think. Like the whole other team only had six kills. Yeah, because at one point, I think Indy or Mike got in the ghost behind us just to cover our ass while we were in the scorpion. Yeah. You were just sitting back from afar, just taking pot shots at him. It was hilarious. Oh, I love the scorpion. Because I remember in Halo 1, 
you, as the Scorpion driver, you not only get the rockets, but you also get the Gatling gun as well, the machine gun. So with Infinite, now you have a gunner, and then if you're the driver, you have the rockets. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Didn't think I would like that, but it's, it's pretty tight. And I was going to say, um, if you haven't played Infinite, uh, talking about Fiesta, that's where you load in the game and you have no idea what weapon you're going to be given. It is a wild card and it's an absolute blast. I love it. I think it's fun just having it randomized. Although, me, Mike, and Indy, and Sean were playing some more matches this past weekend, like after you got off. Was that Munchie? Yeah, yeah, Lost Munchies, which you just met him this weekend. I kept call- I kept calling him Munchie Man. It, it, one of my best friends, uh, hilarious dude. Uh, we will not repeat some of the jokes he said on the air because they most definitely are offensive. <laughs> uh, within the first five minutes of me meeting this man, and he said something super vulgar. I'm like, we're gonna be friends. This is amazing. I was dying. Yeah, I, I keep good company. <laughs> But yeah, Fiesta. So me, we were playing a Fiesta match, and we just got the worst spawns of all time. Our, we were just getting like plasma pistols and like whatever. The other team just kept getting rockets over and over oh. and over, and they just destroyed us. I was actually getting pissed, like for real. <laughs> and that's rare to hear you get mad. Ah, eh, spend some more time around me. <laughs> I've started to. I've started to. And then you get you get crazy when uh, you find out that the energy sword's nearby. Give me that sword. Don't touch the sword. It's mine. I'm very protective of the sword. That That's my shit. I, I'll just be like a Navy SEAL, just fucking running around just shanking people, man. I love it. I just give me, give me the hammer and, yeah, the scorpion. I'm happy. Or a rocket launcher, but I'm also really deadly to myself. That's true. I, I totally feel you on that. I will definitely like shoot too close to my feet and kill myself. I end up killing the other person too, but I go out dying. Eh, it's a, it's a net zero, I would say. That's right. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on, if you don't mind. We are going to open up the inventory and check out some news items. So, number one... PlayStation unveils new colors for the DualSense controller and PS5 console covers. The new colors are as follows. Nova Pink, Starlight Blue, and Galactic Purple. These colors will launch globally starting January 2022 for the DualSense controller, alongside previous color variants Cosmic Red and Midnight Black for PS5's console covers. Inexplicably, the three new colors aren't expected to release for PS5's console covers until an indeterminate time during the first half of 2022. Ash, have you seen these new colors? No, they're a controller or they're a console color. It's both for the PS5. It's it's uh, new controller colors, but they're also releasing the same colors for the plates on the PS5. So you'll be able to like detach the plates and put on new ones. Oh shit, I just I just found it. Oh, those are cute. Yeah, they're all cool. I like every single one of them. Yeah, just the colors, like when you So envisioning 
things calling like mystic blueberry or whatever it's called i know it sounds like a fucking powerade drink <laughs> but i was like oh there better be glitter in it but still like these colors are actually pretty nice based off of just their names that red looks a little bit more on the magenta I have the Cosmic Red controller in the DualSense. I love it a lot. Uh, Mike has the Midnight Black. They've already released those, but they're going to be making the um, those colors available for the plates as well for the PS5. Okay. But the three new colors, the Nova Pink, Starlight Blue, Galactic Purple, I'm going to have a real hard time not buying all of these. Because <laughs> lately I've kind of been getting into collecting controllers even though i don't really want to because i can't afford them <laughs> yeah you have a controller that i want really bad i know it's the the forza horizon 5 controller it's so pretty god dang it's better than it looks too it feels so good in your hands but anyway we're not talking about that yeah i keep making me jealous maybe one day maybe one day you'll get one maybe yeah it's my my old uh, I don't even know what mine is called. It's like the pink that fades into a darker pink. It was one of the first runs they did. Now I've got some really bad drift on the joystick, so I'm like, ugh. Well, at least you can like just keep it and kind of have it be a display item. Yeah. It's one of the best controllers. But, like you said, these colors are actually pretty tight. Uh, if you don't mind, send me a picture of your red... Because I'm kind of curious about that, because online it looks like Mangenta. Mangenta? Yeah, that's what we call T-Mobile colors, too. Because <laughs> it doesn't look pure red. It has this berry kind of color, like a raspberry color. Yeah, it's weird, because the cosmic red, yeah, you're right. It's not like a bright red. It's like a... Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It gets darker. But red's always been one of my favorite colors. My favorite color is blue. But Okay. Well, blue and pink, as you can tell by our logo. That's why that is the case, because those are my favorite colors. I didn't know that. You designed the logo, and I never told you that, I guess. <laughs> I thought that it was like a gender thing. The basic, basic blue, basic pink, so... All gamers felt would would be included in the logo is what I thought. So now they know it's your favorite colors. Like that's really cool too. Well, you are right about that. That is also true. Oh, cool. I wanted to kind of represent like, uh, yeah, just a male and female colors, like representing everybody, and yeah, just happens to be my favorite colors too. Let's see. I guess we can move on from this. Uh, so number two. Microsoft has released a six-part documentary called Power On, the Story of Xbox. In celebration of Xbox's 20th anniversary, the documentary looks back on the history of the console, its impact on the industry, and where it stands today. Each episode is roughly 40 minutes long, and every episode is currently free on Xbox's official YouTube channel. I have not yet watch this but i definitely plan on watching it because i've heard a lot about it that sounds fascinating yeah do you think you'll watch it i would probably watch the first episode just to watch the start and just relive that like fifth grade to eighth grade i don't remember the year it came out it was a uh, 2001 oh shit yeah okay yeah middle school Ashley 
uh, when Xbox drops. Yeah, just pure nostalgia. I, when I think of original Xbox, I immediately think of Halo Combat Evolved. Halo and Fable were mine. Oh, you're a big Fable player, huh? I was. So I bet you're pretty excited about the new Fable coming out. Uh, I don't know if I've seen a trailer for it or not. Dude, I'm just so ready for more Dragon Age and another Mass Effect. I I would temper your expectations on Dragon Age and Mass Effect. I'm just saying. (laughs) It's not the same Bioware. Yeah, the last time I saw the Dragon Age trailer, I was kind of like, this doesn't look like what I've been playing. But, uh, let's see. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably, I like I said, I haven't watched the documentary yet, but I think I'll at some point, like, watch it all. It's, you know, it's free, so. I heard it's pretty good. And that there's been a lot of stuff, like, coming out from it, too. Lots of news breaking, like, um, let's see. I think one was Microsoft regretted how they handled Lionhead, speaking of Fable. They said they wish they would have handled that studio and that property better. Also, it came out that Xbox could have had Grand Theft Auto be an exclusive for them back when GTA 3 came out. Rockstar offered them for it to be exclusive, and they were like, nope. Damn. So just imagine if they that entire franchise was exclusive to Xbox today with how fucking insanely popular GTA 5 is. Which is funny, because I've never played it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, GTA Five's fun. I liked it, but it got old after a while. I say that, but I played it one time only because the guy, my first boyfriend, was like, you should play this game, and he wouldn't let me play it. He kept making out with my character. And I was like, wow, <laughs> much fun. Never gonna play this again. Our, our buddy Jason is obsessed. He plays it all the time. He, it's just two games, Skyrim and GTA Five. That's like all he plays. Nice. Which is fine. I mean, if that's what you like, that's... Yeah. Well, he plays Halo with us now. Yeah, he does. I mean, he plays other things, but I'm just saying those are like his two mains. Okay, okay. That That's the same Jason that we... Uh, I just posted photos a little bit ago of like he made a custom Boss 302 Mustang in uh, Forza Horizon 5 where it has like the Boundless Gamers colors. I saw that. I saw that. That was cool. I think he did that, too, because he knows Mustang, particularly Grabber Blue Mustangs is, like, my favorite cars ever. So I appreciated that. <laughs> Don't get me talking about cars. I'll, I'll go down another road. But Got jokes. Uh, so speaking of, like, Rockstar, we were just talking about GTA. Uh, apparently, number three on in our inventory... Bully 2 is reportedly in development. Did you hear about this? No, I never played the first one. The first one sounds like a lot of fun. I never played it either, but I know it's like a cult classic amongst people. So I always thought, like, they couldn't possibly bring Bully back in this day and age where, like, we're so aware of how bad bullying is these days. But I've never actually played the game, so I don't know exactly what it contains. I would say that probably Rockstar would handle it correctly, because they're, like, really good at writing stories. Yeah, I'm be curious about seeing. Is there already a trailer out? 
it's not official. It's just oh, okay. It yeah, talks right it's now. sources. Uh, so so this article comes from Chris Scullion at Video Games Chronicle, and it says industry insider Tom Henderson stated on Twitter that he was aware of people being shown a playable version of the game. He says, oh. Bully 2 was expected as a potential surprise reveal at the Game Awards last week after some people have been shown some material alluding to a reveal soon, he explained. Information is a bit blurry at the moment, and I have to be quite vague here, but if I hear more, I will report on it. So yeah, it sounds like it's probably happening. It just, when they'll announce it, I don't know. Right. But it seems like they were set on maybe announcing it at the Game Awards and at the last minute pulled it. I, I don't know why. Oh, apparently there's more. <laughs> I have this all written out, and if I would have scrolled to the next page, I would have remembered that I had more on it. <laughs> so, Henderson's tweet was seemingly corroborated by Game Informer's associate editor, Blake Hester, who tweeted the bully logo in the message... New story coming to you soon. However, Hester has since protected his Twitter account and his colleague, Game Informer video editor Alex Van Aken, has claimed that it isn't a reference to Bully 2. VGC reported mm. in 2019 that a sequel to Bully was in development in the early 2010s but fizzled out after 18 months of development. Rockstar co-founder Dan Hauser and a handful of his most trusted developers wrote a script for Bully 2 as early as 2008, which contained the first few scenes and an outline of the rest of the story, according to sources with knowledge of development. The story starred Jimmy, hero of the first game, and featured many returning characters. It began at Jimmy's stepdad's house in the summer at the end of the school year, a source told us. A second well-placed source told VGC the team never decided where the full story would take Jimmy and that depicting some of his time back in education, perhaps at school or college, was one option being discussed. If these new reports are true, it would appear that Bully 2 is back on the table, albeit without the involvement of co-writer Hauser, who resigned from Rockstar in 2020. So yeah, there's a little bit more information there. Hmm, interesting. I don't understand how Rockstar has all the time to work on all these games because they've been working on uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 as well. And that game's going to be massive. Well, as someone who has worked in the game industry for 10 years, it's best to split some of your teams up for multiple boxes to come out instead of just honing in on one thing. Just on the end case, if something flops or money runs out and stuff like that, so yeah, that's that's right. You have worked in game development before. We we technically have a a actual game developer on the podcast right now. You you would have more insight into this than I would. I worked for gambling companies, um, so slot machines and stuff like that. But it's, it's run pretty similar. But yeah, normally they'll take people and split off to either two games, however many they want to uh, meet their yearly quota. Like with us, we were working with smaller, much smaller games and your AAAs and stuff like that. So especially those big companies, yeah, they're going to probably want to split off. Right. You know, Rockstar's huge. They've got multiple studios around the world. Yeah, exactly. 
I want to say their main studio is in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. So yeah, they they probably have smaller teams to kind of work on this. I, I would assume though for Grand Theft Auto 6, it would kind of be like an all hands on deck situation where like they have other smaller studios helping them out too. Probably. Let's move on from that because neither of us have played Bully 2 and we <laughs> don't really know much about it. So, okay, number four, Far Cry 6 update adds Danny Trejo. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, this is from Jeremy Signore at VG247. Out now, the free update allows players to team with Trejo in two sequential missions. Danny and Danny versus Everybody is a new Yarin story where players will need to prevent Anton Castillo's forces from blowing up Danny's plan to come to Yara to make his world-famous tasty tacos to feed the hungry. Yes! Then, in the sixth and final special operation, Malagua, Treo returns a favor by joining players to help students protesting Anton's military, who is deploying a chemical weapon in Yara. Players also get access to Danny Trejo Bundle, which includes themed gear, Trejo's signature outfit, and a taco truck from the missions. I love that so hard. I love that so hard. Yeah, that that sounds awesome. Like, I have not played Far Cry 6, but I've heard good things about it. Like, it seems like it's changed up things enough to where it's, uh, it's a little bit different than the previous couple, because I think... The last one I played was five, and I did not beat it because I kind of just got bored with it. Like, have you played any of the Far Cries? I haven't played any of them, um, but I know that they look pretty good. But the fact that it has Danny Trejo in it, and then incorporating incorporating his restaurant pretty much, that kills me. Yeah, Trejo's Tacos, I think, is his his restaurant, yeah. Yeah, kudos to, uh, well, I don't want to say kudos to Ubisoft because, like, you know, Ubisoft's kind of going through some shit right now behind the scenes with their toxic work culture. So I have, like, a few Ubisoft stories here because I'm kind of split. Like, while I don't agree with, like, the management and the shit they're doing, I'm still, like, I want to give shine to the actual developers working hard on these games because they want people to play these games. So it's just, it's a tough situation, but hopefully... Ubisoft gets their shit together, and uh, yeah. So, number five, keeping with Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC announced. Valhalla's first major expansion, titled Dawn of Ragnarok, will be released on March 10th, 2022. It is said to be the most ambitious DLC in the Assassin's Creed series to date, and will contain around, get this... 35 hours of gameplay, according to Ubisoft. Just for a DLC. That's like a whole-ass Mass Effect game. <laughs> Damn. Maybe maybe chill out, Ubisoft, with the length of these, these Assassin's Creed games. This is our dick, and we're going to show it to you. In the meantime, a free update has been released for both Valhalla and Odyssey, and for the first time ever, crosses over two Assassin's Creed games. Ubisoft's write-up says, Dive deeper into Cassandra's journey with two new stories, Those Who Are Treasured, available for free in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and A Faded Encounter in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. 
discover two new islands, get exclusive rewards, and expand your Assassin's Creed experience with Assassin's Creed crossover stories. So that's a free update hmm. right out right now. I think that's pretty cool that like Cassandra's going to be in Valhalla and I think Ivor might cross over into Odyssey too if that's how I'm reading it right. Like they're two separate missions, like one for each game. That's what it sounds like to me too. I I really liked Cassandra. Like I thought she was a very cool character. Yeah, I did too. And I'm not one that likes a lot of female characters. I think a lot of them can be very uh princessy. Oh really? Yeah. I'm very judgy. But all most of us women are pretty catty. But Cassandra's Cassandra's pretty cool. That's not uncommon though, because I've actually heard from other female gamers that also prefer playing as males. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny is I actually prefer playing as females. That's because you guys like to watch us run. Well, yes, to be fair, (laughs) that's part of it. I like looking at women. Um, But yeah, I don't know why. I just have like always played as females for like probably way back, probably for at least a decade, I would say. That's not abnormal, though. I, I don't know. I think it might be. I know a bunch of a bunch of guys actually play female over being male. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's probably just like well, obviously you like to look at the character, but I think it's more than that. I think it's like you just want to feel how it is to be a different sex. I think everybody's probably curious in some way about that. Like yeah. and especially with Mass Effect, you know, like My first playthrough way back when they came out was Male Shep, but this time recently with the Legendary Edition, I tried Fem Shep, and Mm -hmm. I kind of preferred Fem Shep. I mean, a lot of that's probably due to, like, Jennifer Jennifer Hale. Good Lord. My brain is just crumbling on me. (laughs) My memory is just out the window. Yeah, Jennifer Hale, her fantastic voice work. Yeah, she makes you feel like a badass. All right, so moving on, number six. It's I'm sad that Mike is not here for this one. Uh oh. Splinter Cell remake begins development. <gasps> no. Yeah did you did you play Splinter Cell back in the day? Me and my brother did. Oh yeah. By the way, it's my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Blake. He's 29. Shout out to Blake. Happy birthday. Which Splinter Cells in particular did you play? Oh, don't ask me that question. I don't remember. I just remember they were badass and fun. I, I've never played a Splinter Cell, and Mike is like constantly going on about the series. So, like, they have I think most of the Splinter Cells you can buy still like digitally because like mm. a little bit back I bought uh, Chaos Theory digitally, and I still have it on my backlog. I'll get to it one day. But uh, that's I think that's like pretty much widely regarded as the best Splinter Cell. Cool. So they're coming out with, there's rumors of a new one? Yeah, so it's not rumors. Like Ubisoft officially has announced that Splinter Cell Remake is in development right now. It's led by Ubisoft Toronto, who previously worked on Splinter Cell Blacklist, as well as Far Cry 5 and 6. The game will be rebuilt from the ground up using Ubisoft's own Snowdrop engine, the same engine being used to develop Ubisoft's upcoming Avatar and Star Wars games. 
And I actually have some quotes from the creators working on it. Producer Matt West says, We're going to update it visually, as well as some of the design elements, to match player comfort and expectations. And we are going to keep it linear, like the original games, not make it open world. I know Mike's happy about that. And creative director Chris Audi? Sorry, I don't know how to say his name. He says, it's important for us to preserve the sense of mastery by supporting players who observe situations, make their plan, use their gadgets, and outsmart the enemy creatively to deal with the challenges they are presented with. Ideally, they end up coming out on the other side with no one having realized you were even there. That's the essence of Splinter Cell. Mm, Steven sounds, well, it sounds a little like Hitman, too. Yeah, well, I'm sure, like, the new hit Hitmans probably took a little bit of inspiration from the Splinter Cell games. Sounds like they're really, like, taking it serious, like they're trying to stick as close as possible to the originals without, like, changing it too much. But obviously, you have to change some things, you know, to update it for modern audiences. Well, that's cool. I can't wait to see this coming out. We're kind of in the era of, like, remakes right now, it seems, with, uh... KOTOR remake, Dead Space remake, uh, this one. There, there's more, but yeah, it seems like like games have been around long enough now where it's like they warrant remakes, which is kind of cool. There is a Dead Space remake? Yeah, the Dead Space remake is coming next year, actually. Is that the same thing as the Callisto Protocol? No, that's something different. The Callisto Protocol, I'm also looking forward to because it looks like a spiritual successor to Dead Space. That is going to be done by the original creative director for the original Dead Space. So you know it's going to be good. That trailer gave me the willies. Yeah, it looked phenomenal. I I was so surprised, too, that it's technically set in the Player Unknown Battlegrounds universe. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't hear about that? Uh-uh. Because, like, PUBG is trying to expand their universe, you know, and try to make a brand out of it. So they're trying to get into more, like, narrative-type games. So, yeah, the Callisto Protocol apparently takes place, like, way in the future of that universe. But it's it's basically Dead Space, though. <laughs> it Yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay, so, uh, next story... I don't know if you heard about this, but this I thought this was like super interesting. Uh, so a live action Mega Man movie is in the works at Netflix. I feel like I heard about this recently. Like I saw it blip up on my Facebook or something. Yeah, this uh, this story is from Ryan Leston at IGN, and it says IGN has learned from sources familiar with the project that the Mega Man film is still very early in development. Although the project is yet to be confirmed by Netflix, the film's production company, Super Marche, let slip about the partnership during a recent website update. So it's pretty much confirmed, even though Netflix hasn't actually confirmed it. Were you like, uh, did you play any of the Mega Man games? No. Not one? Mm Mm-mm. I think I played Bomber. Bomberman? Yeah, Bomberman. I remember that. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going way back. I played a little bit of that. Didn't you tell me that you don't really dig side-scrolling games that much? Yes. Why is that? I don't know why. I'm not a big platformer. They actually turn me off. I really like the over-the-shoulder, third-person type of gameplay. Um, I feel like... You know what drives me crazy is I'll see this really badass-looking trailer, and then you download the game, and it's all either top-down or side-scroller. And I'm like, I feel like I was gypped from the trailer looking amazing to just getting this. I feel like side-scrollers... Now, granted, um, what's the one? Rayman Legends? That one was incredible with the music and everything. Some things can pull it off, but I feel like if you're doing side scrollers or top downs, you're sacrificing art. What what could be really beautiful or horrifying, whatever mood you're trying to set, you're missing out on all the environment, I guess. It, it like limits the 3D scope of the environment. I I got you. Exactly. And I've I've just never really been into it. So are you you more into like uh realism? Not entirely. I also really love cartoony. So my favorite game growing up was Spyro. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember you saying that. Yeah, Spyro and Crash. Gex the Gecko. Man, those are all like PlayStation 1 classics. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm 32, so I grew up with that and the Pokemans. It wasn't until like, then I started getting into Fable, which is a good in-between, and then, of course, Halo with me and my brother, and then Gears. I like a wide range. So for you, then, it's just more about being able to roam around and explore in a 3D environment and not necessarily like the art style. Yeah, I can't get sucked in to a game unless I like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel like I can actually get like sucked into something and actually feel like I'm a part of that world if it's just going to be top down or side scroller. I got you. That That's fair. You like what you like. I do. Yeah, well, I, uh, I played the Mega Mans back in the day with my dad. I really enjoyed them. So I'm kind of curious to see how this turns out. I think they probably, I think it's been in development for like a couple of years, but I would assume it's probably been fast-tracked with the release of Sonic the Hedgehog and how well that did. Because like, me personally, as we talked about last week, I think it was, I or was it last week? I don't know. We talked about it at some point. I wasn't really into like the Sonic movie, but you know, to each his own. You said you only watched like what, like five, ten minutes of the song movie. Yeah, five minutes. I, I, <laughs> I know that's not enough to judge it, but you know, it's not. But if that's if you're turned off by it, it's whatever. But like Indy said when we were talking about it this week or last week, whichever day it was, we really love Jim Carrey, so that kind of made the movie for us. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think I think I think it was Indy I was talking about it with because I was like, oh yeah, Jim Carrey, like going full '90s Jim Carrey might make me want to watch it. I think I would be more into this Mega Man movie since I actually like Mega Man. I'm not really a fan of Sonic. Number eight, and this is going to be somewhat of a lot of reading here, so bear with me. It's it's worth it. It's worth it. 
All right, story time, kids. Okay, man locks gamers inside arcade before going on a brutal axe rampage. Huh? This is real. In Florida? No. In Florida? Actually, it's not. It's New Orleans. Florida's a good guess. Uh, Texas would have been my other guess. Uh, So this is from Ewan Moore at Gaming Bible. And it's, he says, A beloved New Orleans-based arcade has been left to pick up the pieces after an aggrieved customer broke in with an axe and caused substantial property damage. NOLA.com reports that a customer who went by the name The Wolf had recently joined the Sea Cave Arcade and Bar as a member. In his short time there, he said... He's said to have developed a reputation among staff and patrons for being rude and making those around him feel uncomfortable. On the evening of December 14th, the wolf reportedly started using a supermarket price gun to cover a vintage arcade cabinet with stickers. When the arcade's owner, Judah Lee, approached and asked him to leave, the wolf responded by asking if he was interested in dying. Lee refunded the Wolf's membership fee and kicked him out. Unfortunately, he decided to hang around the parking lot for a while, occasionally flashing a knife and talking about the fact he owned an assault rifle. Thirty minutes later, the Wolf returned and allegedly trapped customers and employees inside by locking the front doors with a bike lock. He then began smashing windows, terrifying those inside. Fortunately... Everyone was able to slip out through the back door, but by the time the police had arrived, the wolf had gotten away. This sounds like a fucking story, like a fairy tale or something. I was going to say that some indie game company group, bunch of guys in a basement, are going to take this story and turn it into a mini horror game. Oh, I guarantee you this is going to be turned into something, like a movie, a game, or yeah. So the wolf had gotten away. <laughs> He then returned in the early hours of the following morning with an axe and smashed pretty much every smashable surface in the place. Vintage arcade machines, expensive monitors, televisions, and more were all destroyed over the course of his rampage. He then returned yet again later that day to threaten those who had volunteered to come and help clean up the mess left by his previous attack. One member of the arcade, Matt Ray, told NOLA.com that he ran up behind me with a handgun and started yelling, Tell them to shut down. I'm cartel. The New Orleans Police Department's Public Affairs Office has since confirmed that a person suspected of causing damage at the Sea Cave has been arrested and charged with aggravated assault, simple criminal damage to property, criminal mischief, and false imprisonment. The arcade's owners have estimated that this jackass has caused damages somewhere in the region of $50,000. A GoFundMe page has been set up if anyone is looking to help. Oh, boy. Wow. That's legit? Yeah. The wolf gonna get you at night in New Orleans. Yeah, the, the big bad wolf of New Orleans. But no one was hurt, right? Yeah, no one was hurt, but I mean, probably mentally, emotionally scarred a little bit. 
people have lost their goddamn minds today. Yes, they have. Oh my god, that's awful. So, like I said, there's a GoFundMe set up if anybody wants to chip in some money for the $50,000 damages that they've incurred. They they actually have pictures up on the article. It's just all the, the, the screens on the arcade cabinets are just smashed in. It's It's just really sad. Oh, it's awful. All right, well, I'm going to move on to our final story, and this will actually segue into our topic. Number nine. Alien-inspired Scorn gets an October 2022 release date. The survival horror adventure will be console-exclusive to Xbox Series X and S, but will also be released Uh, on PC. I have been waiting for this game. Yeah, it looks awesome. It looks totally like Aliens. It's it's definitely H.R. Giger or Geiger. Yeah, H.R. Geiger or Giger. Yeah, which whoever. Oh, my God. Yeah, he is one of my all-time favorite artists. Yeah, I started following this story pretty early on, and I hadn't heard anything for a while. And it was actually... This is one of the games that I'm looking forward to on my new release list. I can't believe finally. Finally! Yeah, finally. It looks awesome. Like, there's actually... I think they released a new teaser trailer, too, which I have not checked out yet. But me and you are gigantic horror fans which is what our topic is about actually we're uh we're gonna talk about some horror not whores yeah not horror although i am a fan of whores as well spooky scary skeletons so uh ash yeah so we're just gonna kind of talk about horror it's gonna be a little open-ended so we can take it wherever you want uh, so first I'm thinking like, what are some of your favorite horror games? I know you are a gigantic fan of Silent Hill. Oh, yes. Big time. Um, I guess if we want to start with Silent Hill, sure we can. Uh, I was going to say what got me started into horror was apparently when I was a baby, my parents took me to go see Silence of the Lambs. Wait, when you were a baby? That's what they told me. (laughs) And I'm like, and y'all wonder why I am part goth and I am Halloween. You're Halloween incarnate. You live at Halloween USA. My house is orange and black. And I just got a medical skeleton that's now going to stay in our living room. Named Theodore. He is wonderful and I love him. That's what started my horror loving life was apparently my parents took me to see Silence of the Lambs. If you don't know Silence of the Lambs is, it is the relatively pinnacle story of uh, Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill. It puts the lotion on its skin. (laughs) Or else it gets the hose again. Put the lotion in the basket. Yeah. I, I would I would uh I would say probably everybody knows what Silence of the Lambs is. That's that's such a great movie. I, I like watched that in high school and I was just like, oh my god, I get it. Yeah, I think the very first one is really old, but it's called um Manhunter. Yeah, it's either yeah, Manhunter or Red Dragon. 
I think Red Dragon was the uh, the, the book that it was based off of, and that then they later made right. a remake, I believe, called Red Dragon. Yeah, I think there's two of them. Yeah, the remake, and then there's a, like a really old one. I love Hannibal Lecter. So, but that's pretty much what got started on it. I love horror movies, and then, um, yeah, try to dabble in horror games, and then realize I'm a giant pussy. As as we've established earlier. <laughs> but I still put myself into torture moments because I, I still, I love it. I love it. If I can't play them, I make somebody else play them for me. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, it's but it's definitely much scarier when you're the one with the controller in your hands. Fuck yeah, it is. There's something about that that fear, though, that thrill. Because I, I also got into horror very young. Um, I, I think, I don't even remember what the first things that I saw were, but I do remember the first things to scare the bejesus out of me. And number one was Candyman. Ah, oh, I love Candyman. So me and my friend, we were probably in elementary school, and we rented it on VHS. You remember those? <laughs> yes. Uh, so we put, popped it in and like the very opening scene, we pretty much ran out of the room, like, like hell no. And, uh, just let it keep playing. We, we didn't the first see one. It. Yeah. The first, the first one, that's the best one, the original. Yeah. So we ran out L- later. I kind of re like actually watched it and sat through the whole thing, mm-hmm. but God, that movie's terrifying. And, uh, I rewatched it later as an adult too, not too long ago, and I mm-hmm. I think I like it even more. Like it actually holds up pretty well. I think if yeah, if you grow up with it, it still holds because I don't feel like Candyman has enough rep for what it is. Because I even saw the new movie and I adored it. Yeah, I liked it too. Very good. I still think I like the original better, but that's probably just my bias. But yeah, like um. Jordan Peele and Nia DaCosta did a fantastic job. They really like updated it and to modern sensibilities. Yeah, blending into the originals too, because sometimes you can tell if it was Tony Todd or not. And it's like, oh my god, this is fantastic. Uh, another movie that scared the crap out of me was Hellraiser. I'm so glad you mentioned this because I grew up with that movie as a little kid. That's a fucked up thing to watch as a little kid, I, I gotta say. It is pure torture porn. It really is. Like, even more so than Candyman, because I would say Candyman is, like, more psychological, even though there is some gore. Yeah, Candyman's almost got a little bit of Freddy Krueger-esque to it. But Hellraiser, that is just straight up, like, just f- fucked up visual gore and like sexual desire and like it is a trip to watch as a kid (laughs) probably should not be watching it which is i think another really good segue into silent hill because as a kid like seeing these so hellraiser the monsters are called cinnabites um and they derive technically from hell the labyrinth. Yeah, they are manifestations, which same thing with Silent Hill. The monsters are manifestations of your sins and your desires. 
And that is what makes Silent Hill feel so personal to your character. There's no other game out there that makes monsters to match something that your character has done wrong in their life or their deepest desires, their deepest fears, or stuff like that. And in a weird way, they're almost like beautiful. I love monsters. That's my little horny story about Silent Hill. I just it's fantastic. And it's a it's a, it's a good back and forth between Hellraiser and Silent Hill. They're kinda worn the same, but also different. Well, no, it's you're totally right though, because both Hellraiser and Silent Hill Well, I didn't I didn't I've never played the first Silent Hill. Um I have I've never played the second Silent Hill either, but I have watched an entire playthrough. But like the thing I think they share in common, Hellraiser and Silent Hill 2, is there's like a it it's very like sexually repressed. Yes. Because and like that manifesting in like as like monsters and like your fears in the world because with with Hellraiser it was written by Clive Barker who's a gay man. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of his stories have the similar themes about like like sexual repression because obviously like he probably grew up in a time he's older so he's like grew up in a time where it wasn't as widely accepted to be a gay man oh yeah same thing with um it pennywise and all of that same thing coming of age yeah like bev getting her period yeah but i think that that's because like sex while it can be like awesome there's also a lot of scary shit about desires especially when you're growing up and you're going through puberty and you're not quite sure about a lot of things yes and then like with silent hill 2 as as we know like the lead protagonist like has a this i don't want to spoil anything but there he has this relationship with his uh wife his um gosh i don't know what i should say maybe you should talk because i don't want to spoil anything well i'm kind of curious what you're gonna say though I'll just say, like, sexual repression and, like, desires plays heavily into this story and the manifestation of even, like, Pyramid Head, uh, Red Pyramid. Exactly, and, exactly. Yeah. So, with, your, with, with you saying that Pyramid Head is the uh, manifestation of sexual desire and, like, like, like what you were saying, repressed sexual desire, and it shows... I can't remember if it's Silent Hill 1. I think it's Silent Hill 1 where there is a monster known as the Mannequin. And the Mannequin is two severed torsos stacked on top of each other. And there is a scene where Pyramid Head comes up to it and pretty much rapes it. While Harry, the main character, is in hiding in a closet watching this happen. And there's a little bit of, like, voyeurism there, too. Yeah, but it's it's his manifestation, and he doesn't realize it. And I think that's what makes the, the story so crazy. And I think how they could even take Silent Hill even further with new characters is taking other people's fears, desires, sins, wrongdoings, and making more monsters out of that. But there's also a cult aspect to silent hill 2 as well like there's like a religion with these monsters yeah aren't they trying to bring back like uh Va- vastiel what's its name 
yeah, I think it's Vat- Vatiel. Vat- Vatiel, Vatiel, yeah. Yeah. It's like a god or something. Yeah. Yeah, they pretty much say that he almost is uh, very similar to Pyramid Head, but he doesn't have that. I think he's got, it's been a while since I've seen him, um, a backwards head. And he crawls on the walls. I just thought of something too, like that Hellraiser shares with Silent Hill. Because if if you if you remember in Hellraiser, uh, I don't know if it's Pinhead, but he says that some people refer to the Cenobites as angels. Yes, and it's like that that religious aspect to the horror too. Because I I think mm-hmm. like religion is very horrifying. Yes, that's and I even wrote that in my notes too. There's another game that touches on that that actually freaks me the fuck out. But I also love the game. It is not terrifying at all. But there's this underlying. creepiness to it which is bioshock infinite oh yeah yeah there is a full cult underlying to that game as well as racial uh discrimination in that game too that it touches on and just that it's a very it is like under the skin horror that you just feel really uncomfortable about through that whole story while having gorgeous colors graphics and everything like that but that's always that's what's going to say about that whole cult religion thing religion can be very scary and creepy yeah and i think with bioshock infinite and i just replayed it recently i love that game so much i think they purposely made everything bright and shiny and welcoming and you have sunshine it's like this fantastical land but underneath is like, yeah, this, it's very like, there's underlying like racism and like inequality and all this other shit going on. Yeah. Cause you can have like fantastical horror, which is its own thing. But mm-hmm. I think then there's like the realistic horror, which almost can be scarier in a way. Cause you're like, yeah. this actually happens in real life. But I think like probably the, the best horror is when you kind of marry the two. Like, you take realistic themes and you kind of make them, present them in a fantastical way. So, like, it works on two levels, because you can enjoy it as, like, a, oh, like, a nice fictional story, you know, but but if you really want to dig deeper into it, like, with Bioshock Infinite, then you can you can see, like, the, the true horror going on underneath. And even with, I mean, I'll even bring up Mass Effect, when if you've replayed it like like we did, it actually pay attention to the background noise that's happening. It is quite disturbing what's going on in the galaxy, and no one fully realizing it. And everybody's thinking it's all in Commander Shepard's head, but it's not. Especially in Mass Effect Three. When you go through, like, I don't know if it's like, they're not catacombs, but it's um where the Seekers go and do all the maintenance work. Yeah. And you see all the dead bodies, stuff like that. Yeah, that's totally, like, horrifying, yeah. Yeah, there's little bits of sprinkled horror in that, too. That's just like, oh my god, jarring, you just don't expect it. There's definitely some horror elements in there too. One thing that stands out to me that I still find like spine chilling is the the uh the banshees. Yes. They're they're Asaris that have been indoctrinated and they just look so fucked up. 
and they have this scream and they teleport towards you really fast and you're like, oh no, I have to get as far away from them as possible. And their backs, their backs break when they're going to this full, like full mode where it's just like, it's a knocking sound when they go back and you can tell, you definitely know they're women because they almost have like a swollen womb. Right. A distended belly. Yes. That's what happens with all the indoctrinated. They kind of all look horrifying because it, it almost like twists the forms of the people that are being indoctrinated. And it's like, um, that kind of reminds me too of uh, like Hellraiser. Like how yes. when you become a Cenobite, it, it like twists the human form into something grotesque. And like, I, I find like body horror, like extremely um, unsettling. <laughs> I don't remember which Hellraiser it was, but it's a later one. But there's these two Cenobites. Their faces are completely covered because the Cenobites are usually all clad in latex, leather, black latex. And there's these two, they're definitely women, but all they have is their mouths and their fingers are exposed. And it's definitely a sin that have made them replicate for this guy. Because he's been cheating on his wife, and all of a sudden these two twin Cenobites that look like this, they start making out with them because all they are these big, like, Botox lips, and they sink their fingers up under his skin to rub his chest. It is, ugh, ugh, gross. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it Fantastic. makes your skin crawl. Yes. I know what you're talking about. That's something, too, with the Cenobites. Like, each one kind of, like, represents a different type of body horror yeah, because you have the originals. Uh, you have is the princess, Pinhead, Butterball, and the Chatterer. We as humans, we are all like self-conscious to a degree of our own bodies. Mm-hmm. So that's just taking that to like an extreme level, like literally making us grotesque and twisted. And that's that's what I love about it. Just like the twin cops. In Hellraiser, when they actually... Uh, Bloodlines, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. So they twist their heads together. Yeah. I. It looks like it hurts so much. I know. That's the one that I have to turn away from. And then the doctor that gets uh, pretty much his head impaled by that. It's like, gross. Dr. Chenard from Hellraiser 2, yeah. Oh, man. I love that character, Dr. Chenard. And there's one other scene, because you were bringing about uh, religion, um, is when the dad, it's actually the uncle that slipped inside the dad's skin, and he's getting his face torn, and he's like, come to daddy. I'm like, ugh, I can't, I can't. Yeah, he's like, Jesus wept. <laughs> Which, did you know that that actor just, like, ad-libbed that line? No! Yeah, isn't that crazy? Because it's so iconic. I've got the willies so bad now. Well, I was going to say, like, what what do you think makes? Because uh, what do you think makes horror games? Like, what are some of your favorite horror games that have really gravitated and stayed in your mind? Uh, well, Dead Space for one, the original. We talked about that, which is body horror. Yeah, yeah very much like body horror. Uh, kind of has vibes of like the thing and uh... necromorphs, aren't they? Aliens, yeah, necromorphs, yep. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, I really like atmosphere 
in like horror games and movies. I agree. Like I, I'm more of a fan of like the slow burn horror where it just it builds the tension up with like slow pacing. It's very deliberate because I think that that plays on your anticipation. Yeah, that's what makes me pussy out. I, I really don't like jump scares because I think it's real cheap and it's unearned. Well, Five Nights at Freddy's is fun in its in its own way with the jump scares. I I enjoy those. Those are just fun and campy, especially if you get a whole room of people to watch you while you're playing it, and everybody just all of a sudden freaks out. So you scare each other. Are Are you going to play that new one coming out, Security Breach? I'm watching Markiplier play it right now, and I so I love the '80s and early '90s aesthetic. And that's the style of this game. So I'm absolutely adoring it right now as Markiplier's playing it. Okay, Ash. So this you need to do this for me. Uh, do you have Hulu? I do. Okay. At some point, go on Hulu and look up Willy's Wonderland. I reviewed it on the podcast. I want to see that. It is just totally... Uh, it's totally Five Nights at Freddy's with Nicolas Cage. And it's the best ever. So for Halloween, I made little movie cards for the whole month of October, and that movie I put on on there for me and Indy to draw as a little movie date, and he didn't draw it this year. You should have just rigged it and had them all be that. <laughs> I, have so, I have some good ones. I still haven't seen Jennifer's Body, which I really want to see. Oh my God, that is so good. I need to see that one so bad. That is such a cult classic. I love that movie. And and mother with uh Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. I never did see that, but I always wanted to. That one looks like a good psychological horror. Yeah, that's the vibe I get from that one. But yeah, we we I, honestly like I really could talk about this shit all night, but we do have to move on, unfortunately. <laughs> Because last week, me and Indy went way over our time limit, and Mike was not happy. What was your time limit? Uh, we went, like, so normally, like, our raw recording is around, like, I don't know, hour 55, two hours. Me and Indy went, like, two hours and, like, 25 minutes or something like that. Let's make a really quick thing. List your top five favorite horror games. I mean, probably Dead Space 1. I don't know. I don't really, like, think about things like that. I don't know. Really? It's weird. I don't really rank things. Wow. I I played, like, The Evil Within I liked a lot. Obviously, like, Resident Evil. I can't even believe we didn't mention Resident Evil. Because I love those games. What about you? The first one that made me fall off the bed was Clock Tower. I fell off my bed. And my brother did, too. I remember Clock Tower because I had, you remember those demo discs back on the PlayStation 1 yes. you'd get in like magazines? Yes. One of them had Clock Tower. Yeah, I don't remember which one we played. I feel like it was like three or four. I don't, I don't remember. I think I got it from a Blockbuster and I was like, oh, let's try this shit. It scared the shit out of me. Yeah, because like all I remember is just the iconic like giant scissors guy who chases you. Yep, that was it. Yep, he went, he landed on me. But that was like a pinnacle of one game that I knew that scared the shit out of me. So top game for sure, Silent Hill. The Telltale the first... Episodic. Yeah, one and two. Okay, one and two, Silent Hill. 
Telltale episodic The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. I guess that's horror. I mean, I didn't really think about that being in horror, but I guess it kind of is. Survival horror. Yeah, the first season of The Walking Dead is phenomenal. Yes. That story with Clem and Lee. And like the ending, that was one of the first games that I think made me cry. Like I was bawling at the end. Same, same. To the point I started playing the second one and then of course the dog thing happens. So cried over that. But uh, Parasite Eve 1 is what I grew up with. Scared the shit out of me. Love it. The Forest, I watch indie play and I adore Adore it. And now I'm going to easily going to say the playtale, but I don't think the playtale is horror to me. It's just a really good story. And then the Dark Pictures Anthology. We only played The Man of Madon. Yeah. And that scared the shit out of me. I think my soul left my body. I don't know how many times. <laughs> it's like a typical ghost ship story yeah it's yes it's like there's more going on to it than because those are typically grounded in reality but they appear like they're supernatural um i played that with mike in co-op and we had a lot of fun oh you played in co-op yeah yeah it's really fun in co-op i think those dark pictures games are underrated because i see them get a lot of shit but i'm like man if you play them with a good friend or a partner they can be really fun yes and and wait, Ash, like, I I think you'll like the other two. I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for the witch one. Yeah, that's Little Hope with the witches in Salem and stuff. That's going to be cool. But I think you and Indy will really like uh, House of Ashes. That's Mike's, that might be Mike's game of the year. I don't know. We'll see when we talk about that. But Yeah, that's why he was, he was mentioning to us. And I was like, I, I'm I'm itching for Indy to get back on it so we can play it. Um, the last game I will mention is Layers of Fear. I actually beat this one by myself and gave myself two pats on the back because it scared the shit out of me as well. And also with me being an artist, it kind of messed with my psyche a little bit too. Is the lead character an artist? Um, I think you are or it's your father. Because the world around you starts painting and melting and all the colors. It's wild. So like I told you before we recorded tonight, Bloober Team, who did Layers of Fear, are they also are doing a new Silent Hill game coming up. Okay, okay. Because they did Layers of Fear, they did Blair Witch, which I talked about at length on this podcast, I liked, I liked a lot. Indy didn't go very far into that one, but that was that was freaky. You you I think you guys will dig it. Um especially if you it, if you've seen the movies like I love Blair all, Witch. Yeah, the original but like the new like reboot one too is kind of takes a lot of inspiration from that. Is that number 2? No, 2 is like Book of Shadows. That's kind of like a weird like satire thing, but um they do take some inspiration. But uh, and then of course the medium, which I have not played yet, but is in my queue. I haven't heard of that yet. I know you've mentioned it. Uh, I've heard a lot of people kind of compare it to like Silent Hill a little bit, so I think that's something you will be looking into. 
And then, yeah, like I said, Silent Hill, they're doing something related in that universe coming up, which I think they're actually well suited for. They're they're very like into like survival horror narrative. That's what they do. Mm. They, they like how they kind of pace their games and they build yes. tension. They kind of fuck with your psyche, like you were saying. And as I was telling you, um, I think it was it was right after the Game Awards. What was that um, manga artist I like? Really? Is it Junji Ito? Oh yeah, Junji Ito. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, if we can get him in the video game industry as a writer, whatever artist, something that would I want to play that. I I still think he would be perfect for like a Silent Hill game. Yes, I totally agree with you. I just wanted to put that in there because I, if anybody else knows that, if you're into manga and horror, check him out. He's amazing. You know, someone I just thought of too, that's a shame they never worked in video games. Uh, David Cronenberg would have made a fucking awesome horror game. Who is that? David Cronenberg did The Fly. Oh. He did Videodrome. Uh, he, he does a lot of fucked up, like, body horror shit. Okay. He actually was in a Clive Barker movie, too, called Nightbreed. I don't know if you ever saw that. That sounds familiar. You gotta check out Nightbreed. Okay. Please. It's it's on some of the <laughs> streaming services. You'll, okay. you'll love it. it. You'll... Is it vampire? I, no, it's not. It's not vampires, but it is monsters and, like... Okay. You just have to watch it. I don't want to give too much away all right so finally we're going to end out the show with surprise mechanics our favorite uh in case you don't remember what this is or you're a new listener it's where each of us will bring something random to the table and neither one of us knows what the other has brought that's why it's a surprise so ashley would you like to start us off what is your surprise mechanic i actually didn't have one you don't have one I was, like, so into the horror. Damn it, Ash, you had one job. I didn't think about that job. Plus, you sent me a package. You know what? That's okay, since we're running low on time. We're just going to go ahead and call an audible and uh, skip your surprise mechanic. Thank you. And we're just going to move on to mine, which I promise will be worth it. Uh, So... You might want to call Indy in the room right now, because I want right. Indy to be a part of this. And I'll explain to the audience. Un momento. So, I sent Indy and Ashley a package, and they are going to open it live on the podcast right now. They do not know what it is. So, it will be a surprise. And, uh, she is going to get Indy right now. Mike, if you're listening... I love you. I appreciate everything you do. We built this city on rock and roll. Etc. Etc. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just rambling on. I only caught a little bit of that. You built this city on rock and roll. (laughs) I was just talking to Mike secretly when he edits this. I like to add stuff in there sometimes. (laughs) Do you want Indy to pop in on this one? So, like, what can happen is you can stay on the mic. Indy can probably be the designated package opener. 
You're going to be the designated package opener. I'm going to be the designated You can do live commentary for us, Ash. And I'm going to be the live commentary for us. Oh, yeah, the box open. Oh, there it goes again. He's opening the box. He asks if we're ready. Yeah, we're ready. Go ahead. What the fuck is that? What is that? What is that? That's a Series S. A Series S. Yeah. Jock, what did you do? What did you do? (laughs) So tell them what it is. Get on the mic and tell them. Here, Indy. Do you know what this is, Ash? Nope. This is one of the new Xboxes. They can't hear you guys. You got to get on the mic. What did you do? I don't know. Why don't you tell the audience what it is? Jock, did you buy us a Series S? I did buy you an Xbox Series S. It's all yours and Ashley's. I don't even know what to say. I mean, thank you, obviously, but what the fuck? So, I'll, I'll explain, like, what happened. Thank you, Frenchie! Well, first of all, you guys are welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, I was happy to do it for you. Merry Christmas. This is a good way to end out the year. Um, what did he say? He says he was very happy to do it. He says Merry Christmas. He was, yeah. He's the gaming Santa. <laughs> What'd she say? What'd you say, honey? I said that he's the gaming Santa. Oh, <laughs> I'm gaming Santa. Yeah, I guess I am. So, okay, so here's what happened. You know, Indy, that GameStop sale or uh, trade-in credit thing that was going on recently? Yeah. So what I did is I, I couldn't pass up the deal, so I traded in my my Xbox One S. I traded in my PlayStation 4 Slim. I traded in two controllers with that, and total I got almost $500 trading credit. Holy shit. So what I was going to do is I wanted to actually buy you guys a Series X or a PS5, but unfortunately, those are extremely hard to get. So I got the next best thing, which was the Series S, which are pretty... I mean, I wouldn't say they're widely available, but you can get them more easily. Like, I ordered it on GameStop's website. And, uh, yeah, so I had them send that over to you, and, you know, now I wanted to get you guys into the next generation of gaming. Jacques, I, I really don't know what to say, man. This is This is too much. Same. It's fine. It's fine. You guys don't have to be indebted to me. I was happy to do it. And it's got Rocket League on the front. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like uh, it, that version. It's got like Rocket League and Fortnite perks with it or some some digital shit. I don't know, but it costs the same amount as the standard S. So I was like, well, I might as well just get this one. Damn, dude. Just yeah. yeah I mean, thank you very much. So, yeah, you're welcome. So now... We can play Halo Infinite, and one of you can be on the Xbox One, and the other can be on the S. So you guys get to fight over who gets to be on the S. Oh, it'll it'll probably be her. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm. 
I'm just I'm blown away, man. I I really have I I have no words. I and <laughs> I thought it was a speaker because I haven't seen the new console. It does look a little bit like a speaker. It really does. <laughs> it looks like, like cool, a, speaker. a speaker. Now I feel like a dum dum. It's okay, honey. So I'm, Indy, I don't know what to say. I'm yeah. lost words. You know, a little bit ago when you were saying about like downloading the medium to your PC, and Ash would have to huddle around the PC to watch you. Well, now you don't have to do that. I can only imagine the look on your face when I sent that message. Oh yeah, I was like silently smiling and like they don't know. It was so hard keeping this a secret. For You can see now why I was, like, so on your ass about, like, FedEx. Because, like... Get to the package! Yeah. They were supposed to deliver it, like, a few days before they actually did. Because FedEx fucking sucks and they just stopped giving me updates. But I'm happy. Luckily, the package arrived, like, two days before we recorded. So we were, were all good. This that's, is insane. That's the error filtration? Yeah. So, Indy, do you want to get Ash back on the mic so we can close out the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, Ash, here you go. Uh, You're going to close uh, everything out. Words and stuff. What did you do, Richard? <laughs> I seriously I seriously thought it was a speaker because I haven't seen the new stuff. <laughs> so, you know, like, I don't know if it was maybe, it was probably over a week ago, but I asked you guys on Messenger. I was like, "Yeah, so uh, when do you do you guys plan on getting a next gen system?" Or I was just kind of fishing. I do remember you doing that, and I was I felt bad. I'm like, I don't have a job. So that's why I was fishing because I was like, and I was hoping you guys didn't remember that and like put two and two together. I was trying to be very coy about it. No, I thought maybe you got us like. A statue or something like a figurine it was like okay now make a game based off of the statue or figurine or something well that was fucking wrong <laughs> yeah way wrong because i was like there's no way they're gonna guess i bought them a fucking console <laughs> I, I, I like doing things for people so you know you guys have been really cool new friends for me like we haven't known each other that long but it's been a really quick friendship, too, that's just, like, happened naturally. And I've, I've really enjoyed it because I don't have a lot of friends either. And I've, I've really enjoyed playing with you guys, you, Mike, Jason. It's been a blast. It's, it's really made my year. Indy says same. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think, like, some people just get on naturally, like, really quick. And I think that's happened to us. Obviously, because we brought you guys on board with the podcast, and yeah, it's just cool. It's, you know, it's my way of like ending out the year, like just a gift of like friendship and just you know a merry Christmas. Thank you, thank you so yeah, much. You are welcome. I was telling Indy a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I really want to get Mike and Jacques down here in Georgia, like buy them a plane ticket, and we're just gonna have a dinner party. <laughs> and I just want to meet these guys in person and. I said dinner. I'm making these bitches dinner too. So maybe one day. In Indy said land party, which I've never had a land party either. I used to do land parties back with the Halo Two days. They are pretty fun. They always looked fun to me. So, well, I'm floored. Now I'm just kind of like ramble because I don't know what to think. 
This is insane. That's okay. You don't have to say anything. I, I know you're thankful. It's fine. Um, I, I said, like, now you and Indy get to fight over who gets to play Halo on the Series S. <laughs> Ooh. And he said it's probably going to be you. Yeah. But I also said, now you can download the medium and play that. That's because we were just talking about that. And I was laughing in my head the whole time because I knew it was coming. <laughs> Evil genius. Yep. I'd be plotting. <laughs> I'd be plotting. That's awesome, man. I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, you're entirely welcome. So I'm going to go ahead and close out this podcast right now because we actually still are doing a podcast. <laughs> So this is our last podcast for the year, everybody. Um, we hope you've enjoyed all the episodes we've put out so far. We are going to take a couple-week break, and we will be back in early January. It'll be Indy and Mike. I think Mike will finally be back after all these episodes off. He'll be hosting. So look forward to that. And uh, yeah, you can also check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Boundless Gamers. And as always, we appreciate if you follow us, subscribe, rate us, all that jazz. And uh, that's pretty much it. Do you have any last words, Ash? Uh, hit us up on one of the messengers um, um, on one of the social medias. Let us know what your favorite horror game is. Maybe what are your favorite games of the year? Uh, let's have a conversation about it because I would I would love to see what everybody's been really into this year, even if you've been taking it back to a couple of years ago and stuff like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah, for sure. Also, go check out Misinfected on all the socials. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, check out Ash's awesome art and uh, maybe buy something from her Etsy store too. But yeah, that's it. Um, we're done for the year, Ash. Uh, it's been an awesome year. I've really enjoyed getting to know you guys, and this whole podcast thing has been awesome, too. So I am going to close it out. So until next time, until next year, I am Jacques. And I'm Ashley. Everybody have a great holiday and a happy new year. Yep. Happy holidays. Happy whatever you celebrate. And we will see you next year. Later, taters. Later, taters.